Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. My name is Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about inflation. Yay, everyone's favorite topic. Yeah, it's. I think it's the first time in many people's lives that they can actually experience it like hardcore in, in a in a one year time frame. And you know, we get questions about it, um, more about what causes it, and more specifically, like I had a meeting just the other day with a client, and we went over like, hey, twenty years from now, this is what this number will feel like. And it, while they understood it, like the concept. To see it is very different and be able to put a number on that really hit them differently. So that's what today's episode is about. Before we dive into it though, Alex, what are we drinking today? And today we are drinking Wisdom Seeker. This is an IPA from one of our favorite uh, breweries, uh, Black Raven. Clocks in at 8.9 and it has 85 IBUs. It is a solid beer. This is actually really good. It like gets up there with Trickster with, for me. Oh, yeah. I love this beer. So I've never had this before. So alcohol, like I said, 8.9, 8.9, you can definitely taste that. I've used it 85. Like it, it's a solid IPA. It's got that hoppiness to it. The color, a little bit darker, darker, color, right? It's it's not a lighter. It's a darker, more, I don't want to say, it's not ale colored, but it, it's definitely a darker IPA than the one I'm used to. So it's solid. If I'm giving this a bottle cap rating, Alex, I'm giving this probably an eight. I give it a nine myself. I, I like this beer a lot. So solid beer. Um, yeah, this is going to be fun, especially 8.9. It's going to be really fun having this conversation today. <laughs> so, so Alex, why don't, why don't we dive in here? So inflation, Let, let's describe Let's let's talk about what it is first, just to make sure we might have a, a newer listener, a newer maybe someone that is trying to understand money, right? So, what is inflation? Inflation is the increase of something's cost over time. If you remember back to the story where mom and dad were like, "Oh yeah, bread used to cost a nickel," like, okay, whatever, they're just being hyperbolic. It never was that cheap. No, it actually was. And inflation is the increase of something's cost over time. Um, you know, as you started out, like inflation really hasn't been something that has been a hot topic of discussion or something that is like really negatively impacted people for quite a while. But it can be ex- especially a big issue in your retirement years because now you're on a fixed income and your income doesn't go up anywhere near as much as it used to. You don't have that cost of living adjustment. And so when the cost of things goes up and your income stays the same, that's not good. Yeah, it's a, most people, we don't see it when we're working, at least we haven't seen it really or felt it maybe is the better term to use it, to use because it it has hovered around that 3%, 2 you know, depending on how you're looking at it here, two to 3% range. And oftentimes our incomes normally kind of go up by that amount. So we don't really feel the effect of the effect of inflation when we are working. Whereas when you retire, it's a much different thing, right? The only way to to not or to not feel it is really to to take out more money from your assets to compensate for that inflation. And when you see your assets start to go down, it doesn't feel good. Right. And, and like we can talk about it until we're blue in the face, 
But unless you've gone through a time period where the cost of a car, the cost of bread or the cost of milk or whatever else goes up and goes up dramatically to the point where you feel it, it's hard to explain. And like, I recently had a conversation with a client where like I'd been talking to him for the previous like five years or so about how like, Hey, life is going to change when you retire and you you become on a, a fixed income instead of having an earned income where you can always just work a little bit more, like, you know, save a little bit less. And like that increases your lifestyle you can change and modify these things over time. Right. When you get to a point where you're looking at like, Hey, how much dollars can we take out of our pension? How many dollars can we take out of social security? Where's the rest of the money going to come from? <laughs> they, you start looking at it differently. It's kind of like becoming a parent. Nobody can really explain what being a parent is like until you experience it. Once yeah. you experience it, you're like, Oh yeah, I get it. Everyone was kind of telling me these things. And it is night and day different, and it, you can't ever truly explain it. So, so that's inflation. What causes it, though, Alex? What, like, so in the last twelve months, obviously we've had these huge inflation numbers come through that most people are not accustomed to, even though it did happen as early as the eighties. What what causes inflation? The easy answer is supply and demand. There's kind of two areas that this really comes into play. One is we've had supply chain issues. And so we've seen the supply of semiconductors and therefore that hits the ability for production of cars and things of that nature. And so when we see the amount of new vehicles drop, that causes an increase in the cost of those vehicles because there's more people bidding for less of the same thing. Similar thing has happened with housing where we've got, yes, we're building new houses, but we're still needing more new housing than what we're building through net move, through fewer people cohabitating, whether that's less marriage or whatever, whatever else. Ultimately, the demand is up and the supply is down or level. Um, And the pandemic massively affected housing costs because you had a whole bunch of people that were like, now working from home. And so they wanted more space and they wanted like, imagine a family of four and you've got like four bedrooms, a master, and then each of the kids have their own room. And now the two parents are trying to work from home and you only have one spare room. Yep. That causes an issue. So it's, it's a space issue in that example. The other place that it's massively affected is the money supply. How much money is the federal government printing more money that's out there. It's going to devalue the the dollar or whatever the currency is. And what happened in 2020 with the pandemic, that's what they did is they printed money, right? So the combination of all of these, these aspects that cause inflation is the reason why we're experiencing it right now. Right. Absolutely. And you know, it's interesting. I just did a quick calculation here, Alex. So a hundred thousand dollars today 20 years from now with let's just say inflation stays at 3%, right? Which I know we're experiencing more way more than that now. But just at 3%, 20 years from now that $100,000 will feel like $57,000. What that means is so that cut in half. Like your purchasing power literally just got cut in half over a 20-year period of time. 
Yeah. That, that same $100,000 20 years from now will only buy the equivalent of $57,000 worth of stuff today. So this is why it's important to understand how inflation works as well as how to plan for inflation, right? Like as we started this episode, when you're working, it kind of works itself out. And what I mean by kind of is if it works in that two to 3% range, right? Obviously right now, there are plenty of people making, you know, six figure income, Alex, that they're feeling right. They're, they're feeling the the pinch of grocery shopping and their heating bill. Right. Like I was talking to my wife just the other day and, you know, I, I'm very lucky in the fact that my wife handles that aspect of going to the grocery store and being able to, to provide for our family that way. And, and to be fair, she's, she's got the harder job between the two of us like much harder but on top of that she's got to deal with me but right but she told me the bill and I said well wait a minute wasn't that bill like and it was like a it was like $100 less last year yeah and you know what it's not affecting us in the way that it's affecting many of Americans right now and that's not me bragging please don't take it as that that's just me like like holy smokes this is a big issue for a lot of people where they're used to a grocery bill of maybe you know 100 bucks a week and now it's costing them 150 200 dollars a week like that's double the amount that they're used to yeah and like this then causes other trickle down issues like, okay, well, so now if our food bill just went up by 50 bucks a week or 200 bucks a month, like, where's that coming from? And like, it's coming out of things like savings. It's like, maybe we're spending down our reserves or maybe we're not Mm -hmm. taking a trip or like there's, there are other sacrifices that we're going to have to make the typical sacrifice that most Americans make is in their savings habits. So, and long-term, right? Here's the bigger issue with that. You're taking a sacrifice in your savings habits. Inflation isn't going to go away. I mean, let's just say it came back down to 3%, right? And it averaged 3% over the next 50, 60 years. How does that affect you when you eventually want to possibly stop working or some hybrid version of that, right? So you're not saving anymore. Now you want to pull asset, you want to pull money so you can live, you know, the lifestyle that you're accustomed to. But 20 years from now, $100,000 is now <laughs> only purchasing half of what you're used to, to purchasing now. So the issue here is, okay, how do we, how do we, how do we solve for that, Alex? Yeah. And I mean, the easy answer is we need to see asset growth. Um, yep. I mean, a different way of thinking about that, Ryan, is that same $57,000, in order to have the same lifestyle, the same $100,000 ability to purchase the same stuff, assuming a 3% inflation rate, you'd need $175,000 coming in the door to be able to buy it. And so, again, this is what, like, when you start hearing stories about, like, oh, yeah, mom and dad said that bread only used to be a nickel. Like you can start to understand like, yeah, it, it's really, that's, it can be insidious, especially for folks that are retired. So how do we combat that? There's really kind of a couple different ways that we can combat it. One, we need to have assets that have COLAs, cost of living adjustments, whether that is uh, on a pension, 
to a certain extent, Social Security has a COLA associated with it. But the yep. COLA for Social Security never seems to actually keep pace with actual inflation. So, okay, that just means that we need to have another source that we can tap into periodically to be able to step step up. And that's for a whole nother episode of what Social Security, where are they looking in terms of determining what is the inflation number? Yeah, there's a dozen different versions of inflation and like each one of them is slightly different. And so we can we can get into the minutia of like what is inflation and how are we measuring it? Um, and that, that is an entirely different issue. Um, one of the best solutions for dealing with inflation is owning equities because that's mm-hmm. one of the best inflation protected structures. Again, there's other issues with owning equities, namely the volatility that's associated. With the it. risk is associated. Exactly. Yeah. And so we need to make sure that we're balancing these things. We can't just put all of our money into stocks and, and equities um, in retirement because like that would be too volatile. The ups and downs would like. Well, in retirement, yes. But you and I have spoken about like in our working years, looking at your entire balance sheet and figuring out, okay, how much is in the market versus out of the market. And so imagine having a certain percentage of your, your balance sheet, right? And when I make, when I say balance sheet, I mean like savings, investment accounts, real estate, retirement accounts, right? That's what I mean by balance sheet, all of it. How much is, how much of it is in the market versus out of the market? So imagine having a certain percentage, let's just say you're okay with a 70, 30 allocation, by the way, let me just put a disclaimer out there because compliance will want me to. I'm not suggesting you do this. I'm just giving an example of looking at the entire balance sheet. So the entire balance sheet is 100%. And imagine you had 30% of your balance sheet in uh, cash savings, bonds type of portfolio, right? Some version of fixed income. Correct. And imagine 70% of your portfolio was in stocks. That's a lot how a lot of people look at individual accounts, how much of this account is in bonds versus stocks. I'm suggesting how do we look at the entire balance sheet where maybe if we're looking at a million dollars, $300,000 is in some version of fixed income, cash savings, right? Some forms of permanent life insurance, possibly Um, life insurance, right? Death benefit is always the key there. That's the reason I have life insurance, but there's also other advantages such as cash value, but we're not going to get into that today. And then you get into the um, the seventy percent, so seven hundred thousand dollars might be in all equity, like you just said. Yeah, or you may want to have the fixed income component of your portfolio in something that's more liquid and accessible, and you want to have the equity portion in the the more the longer term things like your retirement accounts or Roths or whatever else. So it's all about trying to understand how and where. This balance is not only inside of each individual account, but really how you look at an entire balance sheet. Which is a common fault, I think, in a lot of people, even myself, before I really got into the true, like, I hate this term because all it seems like every financial advisor or planner utilizes it where they say holistic. When I say holistic, I'm talking about the entire balance sheet. Before I started looking at it from that perspective, I was really only looking at it from the standpoint of individual accounts rather than looking at, okay, what do I look like from an entire balance sheet? Because when you transition into retirement, you can't one day, well, you might be able to, depending on the market. So you kind of, you kind of give everything up to, well, I hope the market works out for me where, okay, I'm worth a million dollars. 
I'm now going to take $300,000 of it and take it out of the market. Okay, that's a huge, huge risk because imagine that's what you wanted to do in the year 2022. Or year 2023. Right, like it, it just, it's hard to do. So you're, you're, you're really kind of given your whole like retirement plan up to, well, I hope the market does well the year I want to retire. Which yeah, I don't think many ourselves. people that we talk to want <laughs> that type right. of risk sitting there. What you're talking about there is the timing risk. Yes. If you moved money at the beginning of 2022 before a 15% downturn in the bond market, a 20% downturn in the stock market versus at the end of the year, you're talking about two night and day differences. The other then component becomes, okay, well, Alex, you just said that the bond market was down 15% and the stock market was down 20%. So it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. It matters a lot on where inside of the bond market you put it. Like if you were short, short duration, short term, or like truly just out of the market, fixed income, maybe you were only down 5%. Maybe you were only down 3%. Maybe you were up 3%. Maybe you were up 5%. And so that then makes a huge difference. And we're talking about a 25% swing, negative 20 to positive five on what we just talked about 30% of somebody's portfolio. Like that's huge. Well, we're talking about a massive change there. So, I mean, what we're all trying to put this into, so this began with inflation, right? So it's kind of bringing this back. The reason I went down that rabbit hole is, right, inflation, you have to, one way to address it is via equity, right, and owning equity. And you have to look at your entire balance sheet oftentimes rather than looking at the individual accounts to address that because it is a bigger issue. I mean, in 20 years, to lose 50%, of your purchasing power is huge, right? And a lot of people don't quite fully grasp that until we can share that type of stat and really kind of show them that aspect. And even that, they don't necessarily truly understand it until they live it and experience it. Yep, exactly. So looking at the time balance sheet and, and really having a plan of attack of a financial plan to address living life today and also living your life for tomorrow is huge, which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Yeah. Our question today is how is inflation affecting you? What are the things that you're experiencing with inflation? It could be attempting to buy a new car. It could be attempting to buy groceries. Go over to uh, to beerandmoney.net and, and share with us what your experience has been. Yeah. Head over there and there's a spot for you to answer that question. Or if anything bubbled up from this conversation, This is a huge, uh, it's a great spot for you to reach out to us to address that or any topics that you want us to talk about in future episodes. As always, we hope this episode was valuable for you. And Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. 
All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 15319412. CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699. CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2023-154103, expiration April 2025.